0: How's that coming along?
1: Oh, it's okay. We we uh, have uh, this house in contract and nice. uh, the Dallas house is also in contract. So we're just trying to, because the underwriter won't approve the Dallas house without us selling this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we
1: just have to sequence it properly, but yeah, it's, it's going good.
0: So you have it. the other ones contingent on the sale of this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. B- basically the ratio like our income ratio and all that gets impacted. Right, That's all. It's not sure. contingent. Then I have to sort of le- show that I'm leasing this house or something.
0: right? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, that's very exciting, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. it's,
1: it's, it's interesting. And uh, you don't do that often. So I hope not to do it again. Right. A lot of time and energy goes into planning that.
0: Oh, yeah. It is a lot of effort, man. Moving around takes a lot out of you.
1: You know, you, you probably know. You moved from Montana to Berkeley, so...
0: Dude, I've moved all over way too much over the last 10 years. This is my first time. Uh, this is my first
1: big move with uh, a son and a wife. Last time I moved was from L.A. when I was in USC uh, to area. And, yeah,
0: that was much easier. I didn't even... I have a mattress, just three bags. <laughs> uh, yeah, now you got furniture to worry about. You got all sorts of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Should I buy insurance for the furniture or is insurance
1: is going to be less than deductible? All that.
0: Uh, are you going to be, uh, let's see. So when you move, is that going to be like end of this month then?
1: Yeah, we are aiming for a long weekend, but I think uh, it oh, might yeah. happen first week of June. But yeah definitely i i think the target date i told my team members is 14th of june you should see me in the dallas office uh before that i'll be either busy uh setting up my home or i'll be in california but yeah 14th june is when i hope to be actively going to our dallas office
0: that's super exciting man that's really cool
1: awesome so I'm going to now jump into our questions. I want to respect your half an hour. I will uh, get into uh, the questions I have in your uh, email. And then uh, this portion, whatever we are speaking personally, we obviously want to edit it out. Uh, And then uh, we'll also send you the recording before we put it on LinkedIn. So if you have any suggestions or edits, uh, let me know. Uh, But... uh, that's about it. Any, any other questions, Joe, before we get started? No, fire away. Awesome. Uh, and let me just write, take a few notes because I just want to make sure I don't call you. Joe is a friend of mine from Aptis because there's no company called Aptis anymore.
0: Uh, <laughs> there is no company called Aptis anymore. Yeah, isn't that funny?
1: Yeah, exactly. Even the email IDs, I, I still have. Like I was emailing Alex, and Alex is like, "Hey, Prati, uh, we don't get emails anymore."
0: Oh, really? They're not even forwarding them, huh?
1: I think it was for a year, right? I mean, they oh, has it
0: been that long? <laughs> wow,
1: yeah, it's been more than a year. Yeah. So when I uh, uh, introduce you, I'll be saying, "Hey, I have uh, I have uh, Joe Booth, uh, VP of Sales Ops and uh, Business Development at Secure Auth." V, uh, VP and of sales ops and business development, or just sales ops. What do you prefer?
0: Uh, you could just say the full title, VP of Sales Ops and Business Development. Okay, awesome. Okay, good.
1: And secure auth or secure auth corporation? Secure auth. Secure auth. Okay. All right. I'm I'm starting this. Hey everyone, I have the pleasure of uh, talking to Joe Booth today. He's the VP of Sales Ops and Business Development at Secure Earth. Welcome, Joe, to our podcast.
0: Thank you, Proteek. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.
1: I've known Joe uh, for many years, and it's good to reconnect uh, Joe with you. Uh, As you probably have seen about our podcast, we talk about go-to-market strategy and some systems and then uh, priorities. uh, But... uh, Love to know your journey. Like what's your journey in the enterprise world? Uh, How did you become uh, uh, in your current role, uh, a VP? And a lot of our listeners would kind of learn from your experience. So Joe, love to share. If you can share that, that'll be really awesome.
0: Sure. Happy to do it. My journey into enterprise software is kind of a crazy one. I do not have a traditional background. I've realized from talking with a lot of my peers that uh, a lot of people went straight out of college, undergrad, master's degree, got their first job, worked their way up. I did not do that route. Uh, I got a degree in psychology. And my first job out of school was as a substitute teacher at my old high school. And then that winter, I moved to Montana. And I actually spent 10 years working in the snow education industry as a snowboard instructor and as a ski instructor. And I'm talking about working at a ski resort, snowboarding a hundred plus days a year. And every season that would go by, I would get a certification. So the beauty of the ski and snowboard industry is that there, it is a professional association with national standards and those national standards can get you jobs and pay raises. And of course, you get to increase your knowledge about how to be an effective snowboard or ski instructor. And as I got deeper into the snow sports industry, eventually I became a high school snowboard coach for many years. And then I became a ski school director. So running an actual ski school with uh, 30 some odd instructors reporting into me. Uh, We did ski, snowboard, winter camps, everything that you can think of. And I developed a very unique skill set while I was a snowboard instructor. And that was communication and teaching and understanding how people learn and motivation. And all of those things have been critical for helping me move my career and progress in enterprise software. So eventually, as my snowboard career started to fizzle out 10 years in, I moved back to the Bay Area. And a friend of mine was an account executive at a company called Right Now Technologies, which got acquired by Oracle. And he said, Joe, you would make a great business development rep. It's the entry level sales position. He knew that I already had a pretty strong understanding of technology because I'd been building websites for my friends that were in the action sports industry for many years. So I was developing websites, building uh, Facebook and MySpace applications way back in the day. You remember MySpace, uh, the, some of my first APIs I ever learned right. About right. MySpace. Anyway, I got, I became a, a sales rep for Oracle as a BDR. And I did that for about a year. And then I became an inside sales rep for a services company. And then I became an outside sales rep and eventually landed at the company where you and I met when you were doing professional services and I was a sales rep for many years there, holding a bag, traveling, doing all the fun stuff that sales reps do. And I did that for about four years. And then eventually I started getting into the sales enablement. And this is where my career in snowboarding and in education started to really help me uh, when it came to communication and putting together learning programs. So I got into sales enablement and did that for many years. And then about a year ago, I got the opportunity to take over sales operations for my current company, as well as get back Mm -hmm. to my roots in business development and manage the business development team as well. So now I have sales ops, sales enablement, and business development all rolls up to me. There's about nine people on those teams. Mm -hmm. As you know, we cover the full basket of business development is top of the funnel. Sales operations is... The middle of the funnel provisioning licenses we've got deal closed and enablement is getting everybody trained. So it's sort of like uh, my background in snow sports brought me to this position, and it's been an incredibly fun journey of learning and progression and meeting all sorts of fascinating people like yourself.
1: Thank you, Joe. That that was a really uh, insightful uh, journey, and uh, I think uh, coaching is so critical. So glad that uh, you're able to mentor your team. Awesome. Uh, in terms of SecureAuth or even some of your prior companies where you had a leadership role, what is your go-to-market strategy? If you can share a little bit, because I feel that directly impacts your business development and your operations team.
0: Yeah, it really does. So the company prior to SecureAuth, we were more direct. We did a lot of work through the channel, but most of our deals came direct. Now here at Securoth, we are very much focused on selling through the channel. And we work with a handful of great partners that resell our products and get us into accounts. And then, of course, when we have accounts that we're getting into, we always bring in one of those trusted partners as well. So the channel strategy is primarily driving our business today, although we still do quite a few direct deals Uh, when a company comes to you and says they, they demand to go direct and there's They don't make any exceptions for that because they want to work directly with the vendor. Of course, we're happy to comply with the customer's wishes. We want to provide excellent customer service, but the channel is critically important developing those relationships and also training our partners on how to sell our product and making sure that they can deliver the value prop of what we do here, because what we are in is a very crowded space, just like every company out there is it's, incredibly competitive so you have to make sure that your partners know how to sell your product and we spend a lot of time enabling our partners and setting them up for success
1: that's awesome uh, was there impact of covid uh, like as you see 2021 shaping up and uh, 2020 um, was selling through channel easier or harder or, or was it not, not a factor uh
0: yeah, this is a very interesting question and depending on who you ask you're going to get a different answer and depending on the industry that they work in I think mm-hmm. makes a big difference on how their company has been able to ride this wave of covid. Right, in the cybersecurity space. Securityly is security is critically important and what a lot of companies realized as they transitioned from being a office-based company where majority of their employees came into an office every day, sat down in front of their laptops, accessed applications all through the the firewalls within a building, we are in a different space. We are in the security space where we enable customers to have remote workforces that are able to access the applications that they need from their home through single sign-on or through some sort of multi-factor authentication. So we were very fortunate This last year, as companies tried to figure out what a remote workforce looked like, we were able to help them secure that remote workforce. So we did have a lot of deals stall because of the economy, of course, but we also had a lot of customers come on because this was the compelling event that drove them to finally get their security right when it comes to enabling a remote workforce. And our partners were critically important to that. Now, the downside is we couldn't get in front of them. We couldn't go to their offices. We couldn't train their staff. We couldn't take them out to lunch and do all the fun events. But our marketing team and our enablement team did an incredible job of pivoting and holding a lot of remote events and making sure that we were still in front of our partners and still in front of our customers as much as we possibly could be. So I'm super proud of the team. I think the team did a great job of pivoting last year understanding where we fit into the marketplace, how we could take advantage of the economic turmoil, how we could position ourselves when it came to uh, the, the way that companies how to, had to react to COVID and the type of products that they would need to enable a remote workforce. I think we did a great job of putting ourselves into a position of success. And it also helped build our pipeline up a lot for this year. We've had a lot of carryover of deals that slipped from last year or a lot of deals that they weren't aware of who we are and what we do and now they are and we have great sales cycles that are in the late stages and we're going to see a very successful year this year
1: that's very interesting uh, and yeah i agree with you i think uh, no one could have predicted this and uh, especially uh to look at uh, the recent what was the colonial uh, pipeline and ransomware right i mean i don't know if what was the uh, actual reasons behind it, but yes, cybersecurity and network security and th- these things are very critical for any organization, right? Uh, in terms of go-to-market systems, right? So, so let's talk about uh, uh, more on the sales ops side. Uh, like, what are the systems you have in, uh, deployed internally uh, in terms of uh,
0: trying to enable salespeople to code faster or show them the right prices? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are a Salesforce shop. So we run everything through Salesforce. And most of the applications that our sales team or our marketing and business development team use all integrate in Salesforce in one way or another. So we do use Salesforce Sales Cloud for our CRM. We also use the Salesforce CPQ tools. And if there's any of my former Aptis colleagues listening right now, they're probably think that that's crazy that I'm using Salesforce CPQ when I literally made a living selling against them for four years, right? <laughs> when, when they were steel brick and then Salesforce acquired Steelbrick and relabeled it Salesforce CPQ. So it's, there's a lot of irony now that I'm not only running sales ops, but I'm using right. Steelbrick as our, as our uh, quoting tool of choice. But yeah, we're we're using them and a lot of the plugins for some of the great applications that are out there. We use Salesloft, great tool uh, for BizDev and for marketing. Six Sense is the, a marketing tool that we use. Uh, Drift on our website, uh, Outreach for mm-hmm. getting phone numbers and contact information. LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and of course, finance has their whole slew of tools that they use as well. Yeah, very, very interesting
1: in uh, then in terms of uh either uh, recent or upcoming projects uh, related to some of the systems uh do you have any plans or any major overhaul any reimplementation uh, around these to enable uh sales ops to function better
0: yeah there's a handful of things that we're <laughs> really looking forward to getting in place as we get into the remainder of q two and q three and and hopefully maybe get some of these projects done by the end of the year. And the first one is advanced approvals. You know, the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing about the approval stack. If there's anybody out here listening to uh, what we had at Aptis and now Conga, those approvals were great. I would say that I miss the capabilities. The building mm-hmm. everything out in Salesforce CPQ advanced approvals has been pretty tough. We do have a great Salesforce administrator, a guy on my team named Ed Castillo, who I could not live without. And Ed's doing a great job of putting together our AWA, our advanced approvals and workflows. Uh, He's doing a great job. So approvals are big. And then also some analytics and reporting. We used to use a tool. We found that it wasn't really suiting our needs. And now we're evaluating some of the tools that are out there in the market when it comes to revenue intelligence those are the two big things that we're focused on right now is analytics, reporting, and then also making sure that our approvals and everything is buttoned up around there.
1: Awesome. No, that, that's really good insights, Joe. Uh, a lot of our listeners are practitioners. Uh, so they're also looking for some best practices. I know these are some projects that are being planned, but from your past experience, uh, any uh, suggestions, like when you're picking up a project, how do you look at the uh, the project readiness? How do you essentially ensure that there will be adoption at the end of it? Like, uh, What are some of the things uh, you guys are planning or you've seen in the past that can make a project go really uh, south or go successful?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that what can make them go really south is that you don't have everybody on the same page and people have different requirements or different expectations or they think... That everybody's on the page, same page, but they're not, right? We've all experienced times when you put in weeks on a project and then you present it to the executive team, and they're like, "What is this? This is this is not what we were expecting." Even though in your mind, when you re- gathered all the requirements, you thought that there's the validation and that it was there. So communication breakdowns breakdowns are always tough. So I would, if there's anybody listening. I've listened. There's, I'm sure everybody's got best practices and, and advice that they could use. The number one that thing that I would say is over communicate. Anytime you have doubt, ask the question. Even if you think you're going to feel stupid or that they might think that you're the dummy, be the idiot in the room. Ask the questions that are simple. And if you don't understand something, you've got to get that cleared up because people will go in with expectations that they think everybody knows what's in their head they might think they're excellent communicators it takes two to communicate you have to ask the right questions you have to validate what you're doing along the way shouldn't wait till the end so yeah just to get right, everybody right, on right. the right. same page i think a lot of sync meetings and right right yeah
1: got it got it no, no, go ahead i'll let you complete your thought uh, about communication that's good, really good insights
0: yeah. I just think that's, it's important. It's often overlooked, right? Especially in the software industry where we think everything is easy. It's not, right? right? I mean, you know, this Proteek, you run right. a services company, you are you understand technology certainly better than I do. This stuff is not automatic. It's not magical. Right. It takes work and it takes it takes skilled practitioners to run a project, right? It's mm-hmm. not like they can tell you what they want you to do and you could go into a black room for a week and come back and have it be perfect. There has to be iteration. You have to keep a project on track. And that is a skill set in itself. And I think it's undervalued. I think that people that have uh, not built technology, they don't realize how hard this stuff is to do. They think everything is just drag and drop and clicks. In reality, it takes, it can sometimes take custom development. Sometimes it can take, of getting into self course not only at at an administrator level but as a developer level and that's that's right there so being able to communicate about timeline real expectation of how long things are going to be not being afraid to push back right and then understanding priorities you know this is all stuff that everybody's got to get on the same page
1: Right, right. That's a insightful joke. We're almost at the end of our conversation. Uh, I'll ask you something interesting. Uh, I think it's more around your coaching and how you help others. So we have a lot of young listeners, uh, uh, people who are early career folks, either working in sales ops, analytics roles, or business analyst. Like, what would you uh, recommend them if they want to uh, work uh, in our industry and at some point of time in their career, become a VP of sales ops, like w- what would you recommend? What are some of the feedback you would share with them?
0: I would say take every opportunity that comes to you. You never know what sort of small project or small ask might turn into something big. Like for myself personally, when I was a sales rep, I got really good at beating Steelbrick, And my boss came to me and said, do you think you could put together a playbook on how to beat these guys? And I was like, yeah, I, I could try. I'd never built a playbook before on sales and certainly how to beat a specific competitor. But I put one together that was decent. And then we scaled it out into the entire company. And then I went from r- being a sales rep to running competitive intelligence. And then from running competitive intelligence into running all of sales enablement. And it's just one thing led to the other. You, as you challenge yourself with these projects, you're going to develop a deeper skill set. That's going to help you advance to the next project and the next strategic priority and the next company-wide initiative. And the next thing you know, you're sitting in front of the CEO and he's giving you instructions, he or she, and you're taking notes and you're presenting back your recommendations and you're collaborating. And it's not just that you are an analyst taking orders. Eventually you work your way up if that's what you want to do. And you're collaborating at an executive level. Mm -hmm. But it takes a lot of time. You have to develop a skill set. You can't rush into stuff. You can't just expect like, hey, I've got an an MBA and I'm two years out of college. And let me tell you, I know how to run a global company. If that is you and you think you're the next Mark Zuckerberg, I say quit your job right now and develop the next Facebook. Don't waste any more time. But for the other 99.99% of us that are Mm -hmm. slightly above average intelligence, work your ass off to develop a skill set. Develop it over time. Take opportunities. Learn from people that are smarter than you, that have more experience than you. And then as you progress your career, you could be the one to start making decisions. And I guarantee eventually you're going to reach a level, because I see my CEO doing this all the time, where they make decisions based off of asking really good questions. And these people at the top, they realize that they don't know it all. So if you're at the bottom and you think you know it all, I got news for you. You don't. I, I certainly don't I know that you don't work your way up, develop the skill set, collaborate, take every single opportunity that comes your way and do the best that you can at it and do it with a positive attitude and an open mind.
1: No that's a really interesting uh, uh, point Joe and I,
0: I do uh, kind of appreciate that that
1: curiosity and uh, having uh, Ability to ask right questions is way more important uh, than to have the right answers, right? Because I think those allow you to sort of have a broader perspective and whether it's in your career or personal life, uh, it's always good to have questions. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, With that, I would really like to thank Joe for his time. It's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to talk to Joe, but this has been special because he's been a guest and he's supporting our podcast. So thank you, Joe, for joining
0: us. Absolutely. Prateek. Thank you. It's been great knowing you over the years and I know that we'll continue to work together, you know, probably for decades to come. I hope. Awesome.
1: So this is where uh, I think
0: our marketing team will take over.
1: Cool. (laughs) Do that. (laughs) Awesome. Hey Joe, good, good chatting up. uh, Likewise. And uh, uh, I was going to ask you, so on, on, on the projects and all uh, obviously, uh, you've met Sanjay he's smarter than me in terms of <laughs> anything and by the way the funny thing is Spoke you talk about Steelbeaks uh, uh, swap out um, they even oh, pay yeah. us today this even pay us today I think uh, the spend is not as much I think the actual project was more like 250,000 Their total spend on us is more like 50 to 60,000 uh, but they're still we still continue to work with Cindy and those folks that's and, uh, cool. Uh, yeah, and I, yeah, def, and definitely some of those swap out AEs like Delandos or Rick Hanson's of our uh, world from uh, Aptus days are now our biggest champions in Salesforce. That's awesome. Even, Bri- even Brian, when he introduced me to the leadership team in Salesforce, uh, he didn't say steel brick swap out. We he said, hey, these guys have built a lot of uh, intelligence about your product, so uh, I think that that, that helped. Uh, helped me also to build some credibility, uh, uh, especially with the folks who are now in Salesforce and uh, know us.
0: <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. You never know what something's going to turn into. That, that's great. I'm so happy for you guys and proud of you, man.
1: Yeah. And I'm surprised Kamal, Kamal didn't uh, reach out to you or maybe he did, but yeah, I think Kamal is, if you working in eightfold, you got to work in Aptis, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably more people are working in uh, eightfold uh, who are former Aptis than in actual Congo, okay. there are there's a lot of
0: people over there, and I keep in contact with Kamal for sure. Yeah, we we um right. we had some we had some good exchanges early on when I was coming to SecureAuth and yeah, I'm happy with the decision I made. I'm I'm learning so much and getting to run a big team, and things are good. But you never know what the future holds. Hopefully, we sell SecureAuth here in the next year, year and a half, and then then I'll go work for Kamal.
1: good good and and then in terms of these uh, advanced approval projects or anything else if you guys need help uh, from SI perspective happy to bring Sanjay in Um, uh, he can probably help I don't know if you guys have internal folks and you're self-sufficient that's fine but if you want to bring on us because we kind of pivoted 100% so till 2018 we were like Aptis and Salesforce from 2019, the last two, two and a half years is completely Salesforce. Really? Wow. And, and even uh, this year, uh, and I think Conga is only selling CLM. We don't see any... No net- way, CP2 really? Deals. Yeah, yeah, we don't see any net new CPQ deals. Wow. Uh, so what a, really
0: what a transition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah man. Uh, so were you guys getting a ton of calls? Yeah, not yesterday, but the day before when Salesforce went down?
1: To some extent. It was mostly our clients reaching out uh, Uh, to Salesforce because we do a lot of inactive projects on sandboxes. Mm -hmm. Um, um, When it comes to production, we don't typically have access, right? Because once we move in them to production, it's for them and Salesforce to figure out. Yeah. We had some, some feedback, but not a lot.
0: Nah. Yeah. I was, I just thought, I was curious about how that, how you guys might've handled it. So uh, we, yeah, basically for, it wasn't too long, maybe four or five hours but still no. very, very surprising and right in the middle of your day. So pretty disruptive, Exactly. especially for exactly. me, right? Like I'm in it all the time. So yeah. Gotta, yeah. 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 But anyway, it was interesting, but yeah, man, the, let me see how the next few weeks play out with AWA or the, the approvals. And if we can't figure it out, I would love to bring you in if we can our CFO, man, he does not spend any money, any money. So trying to get That's okay. really hard.
1: No, no. I, I was just saying that uh, if it's if it makes sense, because I see a trend where a lot of people, especially tech companies, uh, whether it's Box or Okta, uh, they want to use internal folks, um, and a lot of the manufacturing or non-traditional companies want to bring SI's in, right? So uh, uh, it's more of a culture thing, right? Like yeah. we want to do in-house or, or bring outside folks in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if it makes sense, we can help. But uh, either ways. Uh, doesn't matter right
0: you'll be the first person i call
1: <laughs> okay sir thank you
0: all right protee uh, good luck with I, the I move think, on everything tell bernali i said yeah.
1: hi i'll do that and yeah i think you'll get yeah, will we'll get the recording edited and out in probably a week and then okay. it'll be ready for posting in 2
0: weeks sounds good man i'll definitely blast it out thank you sir all um, right thank you see you
1: see you